0: Listeners out there, this is the On The Movie Front podcast, and I am your host, Robert. And I'm Michael. I'm Phil. And I'm Chris. Okay, we got a newcomer right here, Chris, <laughs> our good friend Chris Barbarino. He's going to help us do some reviews and play some movie games, and should be a good time. Should be a good time. We've known Chris for a while. Phil's still here, fact-checking, producing, whatever you want to call it. And what else have we got here? It's Saturday. We've been keeping up with our word, doing it every single Saturday. <laughs> we, have a, <laughs> we have a really awesome, awesome episode for you today. So let's just get started with it. Let's do it. So what have we been watching? I'm going to do a review on Tangled. Mike just saw win-win. Chris is going to review Paul. And Phil went to the movies yesterday to see Arthur. And he's going to give a little word on that. So I'm going to get things rolling and talk about Tango. Now, I got this on DVD, and I watched it this week. It's the latest uh, animation film by Disney Animations. <clears throat> Basically, the story is about a princess, or well, a, a lost princess, and her name is Rapunzel. And if you know the fairy tale, she has very long hair, magical. She gets stored away in a tower by some evil uh, mother gothel, I think her name is. And the entire movie kind of deals with that story, and then they kind of jazz it up with some musical numbers, and some morals, and just a typical Disney movie, and it, it, it's interesting, because it was narrated by Flynn Rider, who is an outlaw, a thief, he basically, in the beginning of the movie, he steals the crown from the king and queen, and he's running away from the authorities, and he f- stumbles upon the tower that Rapunzel's in, so he meets her, and they kind of fall in love, that whole jazz. It's a typical Disney movie. Have you ever seen the classic Disney movies? Any princess movies? You know, Snow White, Cinderella, um, even Aladdin with Princess Jasmine. its it, it just basically takes that formula, and that's it. You know, there's nothing groundbreaking about this film, but I have to say I was impressed because Disney has kind of been in a, a big, big slump lately. I haven't seen The Princess and the Frog, but before that, you know, Disney really hasn't done anything big. It's all been Pixar. Even DreamWorks, they've been the the powerhouses of animation. But Tangled really, really stepped up its game, and um, I I enjoyed it a lot. Mandy Moore did the voice for Rapunzel, and, you know, she can sing pretty well. So the the songs were good. There's no standout song that most classic Disney movies have, but, uh, you know, as a whole, it was very enjoyable, and I give it a very solid B.
1: Nice. So you really liked it? (laughs) <laughs> I liked it enough to give it a B <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, would you say it's you know where would you rank it amongst other disney movies
0: um it, it really can't compete with the classic disney movies of you know the nineties and especially the the really classic ones like snow white but i mean I, I mean it's a it's a it's a disney princess movie it's uh it's it's made for you know kids especially girls uh wanna grow up to be princesses you know fairy tale here and there but it was very enjoyable I, I I liked it a lot there's there was a lot of uh, comedic moments Flynn Rider is it was hilarious and um, you know just the typical formula of this, uh, Disney movies you know she had a she had a sidekick a little chameleon that was cute and adorable he had the uh, the bad guy and um, yeah no I, I
2: enjoyed it it's not a big okay you yeah, yeah. it's interesting how you're saying it's like a classic Disney movie have they been doing those as much like I can't like when I saw the previews for this in the theaters I just pictured the typical lately animated movie with the, the jokes and the story, kind of tie for kids, kind of jokes there for the adults. Not, when you said in your review that there were songs, it kind of caught me off guard. I felt like they have not done that in a lot. Yeah, that's and right. And you go back to the, the classics, Aladdin, that was the standard. It, did that get lost? Is that... I think it did. When's the last time they did that, before Tangled? I can't even think of I mean, movie. I haven't seen Princess and the Frog I'm not sure if there was music
0: in that I want to say maybe there was We'll <laughs> have to do some research <laughs> on that But, yeah, no I think ever since Pixar started, right. uh, you know Revolutionizing the, the animated pictures And they don't do music they, right. Their characters aren't singing So they broke that formula So everyone tried to jump on board with that You know, We don't, we don't need songs to have a successful movie But, you know, that was, that was Disney's schnick And, you know, you gotta stay with that and so they they did And hopefully they continue to do that Because I, I it's, it's a great formula You know Who doesn't like Lion King And all those movies Right Yeah,
3: yeah The uh, closest film that they did that with, this, with Is uh, Enchanted with uh, um, uh, Amy Oh Adams. Amy Adams Enchanted
0: Yeah that was like a Disney movie A live action Disney movie Right But yeah, that okay. was Yeah I would agree with that that was, that was close to it too That was I think 2007 So But
1: there weren't many songs in that movie If I remember correctly Right yeah. I feel like there were four I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they we were all at the Oscars, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But for the majority of that movie was live action and not singing. Like some of the other <clears throat> Disney musical things are a lot of song. You know, I think Aladdin is probably fifty fifty percent music. <laughs> well, we're not sure about that,
0: <laughs> but yes, all the uh, the Disney you know, they all have those, those songs. Where like Aladdin, you know, you can think of your favorite song Beauty and the Beast. Think of your favorite song. Tangled had good music, but there was no really song that stood out. But again, we all enjoyed the Disney classics of of the 90s and before that, so hopefully
1: they can keep on doing that. Agreed. (coughs) All right, so I'll I'll go ahead and talk about uh, Win-Win. This is an independent movie uh, starring Paul Giamatti. uh, This movie actually premiered at um, Sundance Music Festival uh, not too long ago and and got uh, really good reviews, and so it was picked up by um I, I think it was uh, Fox Searchlight Studios and and uh and produced uh, and sent it, you know, I mean distributed into uh theaters. So this film uh if you're not familiar with it, it uh like I said it's starring Paul Giamatti. He uh is a lawyer uh slash uh, wrestling coach at a high school and um his team stinks, uh, his life is kind of in shambles, he has all these uh, bills that he can't afford to pay for, the, the boiler in his basement at the law firm is going, um, they need to uh, cut down a tree that's been growing in their yard that looks like it's going to fall on the house, and so there's all these all these extra things that he can't pay for, and he needs to, uh, needs to find some money to, to kind of help keep him afloat, otherwise he's just going to drown in debt. So, what happens is there's this gentleman by the name of Art. Who is an older uh, gentleman who has dementia, and uh, he's going to lose his home because he can't um, pay the bills because he's you know because of the dementia he forgets to you know pay things or whatever. But he's rich; he has all this money, and um, they can't find his daughter or sibling, any kind of uh, relative, to uh, to come take you know uh, guardianship of him. Uh, so he's going to end up going in a home and losing his house. Now Paul Giamatti <coughs> sees this that um, the state. Pays fifteen hundred dollars. We'll, we'll pay fifteen hundred dollars a month in, um, you know, for him to live it, at the home. So he makes a deal at the courthouse to take guardianship of this man and to take care of him as long as he lives in the house. Uh, but it's really for so Paul Giamatti can get that fifteen hundred dollars to keep his family afloat. So that, that's all the information you find out in the, like the first five minutes of the, the film. It doesn't take a long time for you to to, to get that far. But where the real story comes in, and I don't want to give too much away because this movie is pretty recent, is uh, Art's grandson shows up one day, kind of out of the blue, and he's come there to live with Art. But obviously, Art Art, Art isn't there; he's with Paul Giamatti, and Paul Giamatti actually put him in a uh, in a um a home to be taken care of because it was too much work. So when he shows up, the Paul Giamatti and his wife they decide to take him in and, and let him live there and. Soon, it, you find out that he's a really good wrestler, and it just so happens, Paul apologize, that he's a wrestling coach. So he joins the team, and then joins the high school, and they're starting to raise this kid as their own, essentially. And you know, it takes off from there. And I, like I said, I don't want to give too much away, but the story is, is really, you know, it's really heartfelt. It's really heartwarming, and it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it's kind of it, it gives you this this picture of uh, of an American family, and uh, and you know, the hardships that you have to go through with, you know getting money to keep your family afloat but at the same time trying to do the right thing you know when when you someone you meet you know impacts your life like, like this child did and um, yeah it was a really really great film I, I thought Paul Giamatti was excellent in it um, you know this movie isn't really about so much what happens per se but about getting to know these people and, and seeing kind of how they tick and why they do the things they do and and it, it, it leaves you uh, you know with a nice warm feeling at the end of the film yeah. What would you grade it? I think I'd have to grade it a B plus. I thought it was really good. Um, you know, there were some things that I thought, you know, it's a little predictable. Uh, not that I really expected otherwise from from the film, but you know, you kind of see what's going to happen uh, with with some of the drama that that happens later on in the film. But I, I liked it. It's good character development, um, good acting, good storyline. So yeah, I'd give it a B plus. It was a, it was a dramedy, no? was it funny no it's not really funny I mean there's pieces of comedy here and there but I'd say it's more just a straight drama I mean it's never it's never like so heavy um with, with the drama that you, you know you, you get lost in the fact that it is that drama but it, it yeah it's 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 a very real portrayal of, of American life you know I feel
2: like so yeah I'd it a cool. B plus nice nice okay so who's next Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, um, I saw last weekend. Uh, 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 let me say Arthur Paul. Um, that's starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, uh, and uh, Seth Rogen is the voice of the alien. It's a um, movie where you know they they try to keep it funny, but there's also a serious kind of story behind it. But anyway, when this movie I remember coming out, a lot of people were questioning: Is this supposed to be like hilarious? You know, Seth Rogen's involved. Is it going to be one of those, like, laugh-out-loud, uh, super bad, knocked-up kind of movies? Just because his voice pops out at you when you see the, the commercial. You just, whoa, there's that pro. You don't even realize Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. But when you go to see the movie, it's really a Simon Pegg-Nick Frost movie, and you have to jump back to Shaun of the Dead and, and those types, where they keep it, there's those funny aspects, but it does have a story to it. And so, anyway, these two guys... Uh, they're super geeks. They're from over from London. They're in the <coughs> town for Comic Con, and after Comic Con is over, they decide they're going to go hit up all the famous alien UFO sites in the area, New Mexico, Roswell, Area 51. All they, they map it all out. And along the way, there's the stupid hijinks. People think they're gay together. People, think, you, know, you know, those kind of things. And along their trips, this car comes by and crashes. And when they go to check if the person's all right, it ends up being this alien, Paul and the movie kind of takes off from there where Paul just needs to get back to the mothership it's that typical alien storyline <laughs> and it's the hijinks that that go along the way but it's not so ridiculous where you're laughing out loud and just dumb stuff the whole time it, there's a thought to the story and it's just more enjoyable to go along with it and Seth Rogen's Paul and it's really it might as well just be a mini Seth Rogen there you know in alien form just comes out and it keeps everything you know on that even keel and uh, you know, there's cameos from certain people you'll recognize. Uh, Bill Hader's in there. I, I'm not sure what the guy's name is. He's in all those Judd Apatow movies. He's the the high pitched guy in uh, I Love You Man. He's uh, yeah, the guy I, that I takes know. him to the party in Superbad. Those two are cops, and you immediately think Superbad with Seth with Bill Hader and Seth Rogen. But these guys were a little more a little more edgier. There is one scene. There's a funny scene where they're waiting. They're bored, so they play a game, and they get caught. The one character, though, Kristen Wiggs the other, uh, she's the female uh, in love, she turned up being a love interest, but the one character that really caught me off guard in this was played by Jason Bateman, and he was like the head secret agent guy who was trying to capture Paul for his agency that he radios back and forth with, and he played such, like, such a straight, hard edge, like, asshole kind of character. I was surprised, because when you think Jason Bateman, you think... You know, rest, rest of development, development and all these other goofy roles, but he was like, you know, a guy questioned what he was doing. He put the gun right in his chin and told, you know, backed him into his car. And I was like, I was like whoa, this is weird. You know, I was really, like, surprised by that. But, uh, you know, the movie tumbles along and they get, you know, let's stop here, something happens, let's go here, something happens. And they ended up making it all the way, you know, to however the movie wraps up. I don't want to give any, anything away to those who haven't seen it. But um, I would say overall it was a good, enjoyable almost road trip style Euro trip style movie where you're just kind of moving along with with them and you feel like you're along for the ride um, I would have to give it a B going in you don't know, if you expect laugh out loud you know uproarious thing you'll be a little disappointed but if you're just looking for a good time enjoy it I saw it like a Saturday afternoon I'll give it a good B awesome you know, that's, that's curious that you said it because yeah because I, I haven't
0: seen this movie but when I saw the, the trailers I saw the commercials I actually thought it was going to be one of those laugh out loud just hilarious movies now th- that you kind of just you know said this, it made a lot more sense, because, you know, they, they do show on the Dead, they do Hot Fuzz, which, at the same time, they aren't hilarious movies, but they're kind of like, they're genre movies that they're poking fun at, but at the same time, you know, like, Shaun of the Dead's a zombie movie, that they poke fun at the genre, and it's still funny. So, are you saying, is Paul kind of like an alien movie that they're kind of poking yeah, fun a at, little bit because but they it's do... still an alien movie in its sense, because, you know, Paul has to get back to the mothership, like every, you know, alien wants to do
2: when uh, they get we're... to Earth. No, I would say it is like that. That is, they, they went for their alien thing. They hit the little different aspects here and there, you know. And then, and like I said, I don't know if it's an even cute, but you're kind of like, there's a tension-filled scene, and then the camera turns, and the alien's doing something funny, and it's totally Seth Rogen. Like, it's like, that's a, that's a Seth Rogen moment. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, just mm-hmm. brought you right back. And it was like, that's that's what he was there for. And like I said, they might as well just had a little mini Seth Rogen. You
0: know, that's that's the, that's the other thing, too. I was going to ask you, because you, you saw it, um... Would, do you think the movie do you think the movie should have picked someone else besides Seth Rogen just because his voice is so identifiable? Like you 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 cannot not picture Seth yeah. Rogen when he talks. No matter what if a, if a hamster's talking, if an alien talking, you're like, "Oh, that's Seth Rogen's voice." That's his laugh, you know.
2: I think artistically they probably should have, it would have been truer to the story. You would have been going a lot more invested in the alien maybe. But probably for money wise it just grabbed you it's Seth Rogen you hear the voice you want to see it and what's he going to say mm-hmm. you know you almost expect like when you watch a lot of those movies you're thinking is this improv and you're almost thinking is this alien improving is his stuff in the Seth Rogen way like just some of the, you know some of the stuff he comes out with and you know it, it's <coughs> that's but that's really all that was there He's,
1: you know but see that was a huge turn off for me because <laughs> I just thought I know that I'm not going to be able to get the face of Seth Rogen out of my mind when I'm listening to this character and that just bugged me because like I, I kind of want to maybe believe that it's an alien you know and I'm just not going to like yeah. you know I would be so off put by not being able to let myself get into that world and so that's a big reason why I haven't seen this movie yet just cuz I know all right I'm going to have to just accept that that's Seth Rogen <laughs> I, and ignore that it's an alien but if it's if you're saying it's about it's all about this it's an alien movie uh, for me it just wouldn't work on that that And I hate that because I love Simon Pegg and I love Nick Frost and the fact that they wrote this movie, you know, like it really makes me want to see it because I love both the other movies. Yep. So, but uh, something just to point out, uh, I don't think you mentioned this. This movie, even though it's written by them and it's the third movie written by them, uh, it's not directed by the same director. I remember you guys saying that directed the first two films. Um, So uh, it may, it may, you know, have a different feel. Like I said, I didn't see it, but compared to those two movies, would you say that this one like Feels a lot different than those films. Now, obviously, it's a different storyline, and like Hot Fuzz was a completely different storyline than, than Shaun of the Dead. But those movies, like when you watch them, you get the the feeling, you know, that you're watching the same artists at work.
2: Right? Yeah, it it was along those lines. It was, you know, that controlled chaos around them, and Simon Pegg is trying to keep it real. Mm-hmm. As even though he is the super geek and possibly gay with his partner kind of thing, to be yeah. a little bit of an outcast, he's still the one that's and actually, Nick Frost too. He shows more emotion. He shows jealousy. He shows envy. He shows care. And th- those two are kind of at the center of it all, surrounded by crazy Jason Bateman, wacky uh, cop duo, Kristen Wiig, who's like a f- Jesus freak that gets converted, and now you know she doesn't know what to do with herself with this freedom, so to speak. Getting the fathers, you know, there's the outside characters. Um, and also, I just want to point out again, not to spoil, it, but there is an interesting cameo at the end of the movie. Um, I was looking at the cast list, though, and the person's listed on this. So I thought that was a little weird, but it caught me off, off guard. I didn't really look at it too much. But who Jason Bateman is contacting back at the base, so to speak, makes the appearance at the at the culmination. And you're like, oh, that's crazy, you know. <laughs> so it, was a, it was a cool, cool uh, cameo. No,
1: I, I highly doubt that this would be the case, but in the other two movies there was a lot of, like, fast cuts, uh, a lot of fast editing, which I'm sure has the, was the director. And
2: yeah, I don't recall that as much in this okay. one. This yeah. was more straightforward Hollywood. You know.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, cool.
3: So the uh, movie that I watched yesterday was Arthur, which uh, starred Russell Brand, which is also the remake of 1981's Arthur that would start Dolly Moore. Um, I th- I have to admit that I've never seen the original one, so I can't really make the comparison, but I really enjoy the movie. Uh, Russell Brand is stars as the uh, he acts as the character who grew up in a wealthy family Um, there's a story basically about Arthur um, growing up um, trying, he's trying to, his his mother is um, uh, giving him the option to either get uh, married to the bride that she wants him to get married to or he loses his wealth and of course he doesn't want to lose his wealth um so he um agrees to the um stipulation that his mother gives him The movie was funny, no? Yeah. The movie
0: was yeah. funny. He uh Russell Brand is kind of that actor that's coming up that kind of seems he can I don't know, maybe the new Wolf Ferrell or something like that he does the slapstick, he does these stupid comedies now. He kind of he has charisma. He has he can he can he can take the big screen on his own and he can just run with it. Uh a lot of people don't like him though. I'm kind of hit or miss with him. I I like some things he does, but then when I watch him on a talk show, I'm like, this guy's an annoying. He's so annoying <laughs> as an ass. I don't wanna I don't wanna hear his voice again. But you know, he has he's different. He's out there. He kind of just like separates himself from all the other comedians that uh, that are on the big screen now, and I think that's that's cool. But I mean, when I saw these commercials, I kind of felt like Russell Brand's character in. Arthur, he comes off kind of like n- not only like a man-child, but kind of an ass. Like, is he a jerk throughout the movie? Because he kind of seems like a jerk.
3: Um, he doesn't intend that on being a jerk, but because of how spoiled he is, he he, 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 he does act on as being a jerk, but unintentionally.
0: Right, yeah, I I, I can see that. I mean, I was just like, I don't want to watch this spoiled brat, you know, just just waste his money on everything, kind of just waste all the potential and everything that's handed down to him. I'm like, I don't know, that's... That's not, that's not a movie I wanna see, but again the uh everyone did like the originals, that's why they remade this, which is also another problem I have. They shouldn't um, they shouldn't remake good originals for the most part. So uh but yeah, no, again Russell Brand, well he's out
1: there now, you know. What did you think what did you what would you grade the film film
3: I would give it a B because um I, I thought it was a perfect role for for Russell Brand. Like um all of his roles that he's been in that he's famous for like um Gang into Greek and um forgetting Sarah Marshall he acts kind of like the same way but he's um, he transforms from that at the very beginning to a much more mature version of Mo- Russell Brand where he learns how to take care of, him, of himself instead of having his nanny do it all the time um, so, and I, I thought his communication with Helen Mirren was perfect um, with Hel- Helen Mirren being like the, the perfect like mother motherly type um, so with with being, with, um, casting such a good, um, crew, um, I, I think it deserves a B. Who, uh, who played the love interest in that movie? I forget. Um, the love interest was, uh, Greta Gerwig. Um, Gerwig, yeah, and, and who's the, uh, the one that you're trying to set him
0: up with? Uh, I swear one of them was, it was, um, uh, <laughs> famous. <laughs> uh, I swear um, one of them was... Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner, yeah. that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I see that picture of her riding the horse in that scene.
1: But um, I'm probably not gonna watch this ever. (laughs) You know, I I, I, there's a couple things I want to mention about this film. First, um, I I understand in 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 an aspect why they decided to remake this movie, um, because when this movie came out, it wasn't that popular, believe it or not. This it, it became kind of like a cult classic where people started watching it later down the years, you know, um, and. It's also a movie that came out long enough, long ago enough, which I, I don't know if you have the original year, but I think I would have to say early '80s. Yeah, '81. '81. When when Arthur came out, so, so it's a it, it, there's been a big gap of time in between, you know, when it premiered and now, it's like, almost similar to Tron, you know, there was a big gap of time, so a lot of people that are around now have never seen Arthur, didn't even know Arthur existed. I, I remember talking with a lot of people who said, you know, said like, "Oh, it's a remake." They had no idea. I honestly did not know until you yeah. just said that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it, I can understand why they would re- remake a movie like this because it was it was really good, but it was old enough that you know um, that it could be remade and not not that popular. I, I think that uh, a lot of times you know when when movies are being advertised like this and it, and the word spreads that it's a remake, everyone gets so upset. But if you start asking around and see how many people have seen the original, you're not going to... F- you know, you'll find people, a lot, especially in the older generations that saw it, because there weren't that many movies <laughs> that would come out as, as often as they do now. We get, you know, four new movies a week. They would get, you know, maybe one a week or one, a, you know, two a week.
2: What? Uh, the one thing I've just getting from the commercials and everything, what audience is this movie targeted towards? Is this a kid's movie? Is this... A young adult, it's like PG thirteen, no, right? yeah, it's uh, PG thirteen, so it's a little cleaner than like Superbad and those kinds, and, oh, and yeah. get to the Greek, like it, because like you know you see the commercial see, like Harry Potter jokes in it and stuff <laughs> like that. So it's, I don't know, like yeah, we'll we'll chuckle at it, but we'll little younger kids find that hilarious. I don't, I never caught who this was supposed to be for.
3: I think it's mainly for like the the teens.
2: It is for the, yeah. okay, that's like the crowd you saw at the movies?
3: Yeah, because um, he actually um, I, I'm not sure about the original one, but. There's a lot of like references to like comic books and cartoons. Like um, he actually has his own Batmobile from like I think <laughs> when um Keaton was in was Batman. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was like um the 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 uh the same car from like Scooby Doo and all that stuff. Huh. So, okay. Right. And I
0: could see this being kind of toward uh, teens. I think Russell Brand actually just hosted like the Kids Choice Awards or something right. like that. So that's yes. like his that's his target audience for now. You know, hopefully. He moves up, but uh. Well, I mean, get him to
1: the Greek was a pretty R-rated
0: movie. Yeah, that was that was so. You I enjoyed that one. <laughs> this is this is
1: my problem with with Arthur, this movie, and I haven't seen it. But my biggest problem is that when I am watching the previews for this movie, I don't see a character. I see Russell Brand, and I I don't know if you want to call that good casting, or or.
2: But he's almost been that in most of his movies. Isn't he a he's rock strange, star but in, I, in Forgetting Star Marshall? Yeah, but... And it, but rock star getting into the Greek and he has to get came- tamed and he's spoiled. That's his thing. Big guy, thing. He's right. get tamed.
1: Like, right, but I mean, with those movies, he's actually playing the same character. Like, oh, that's right. Like, that's I, right. I, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, I agree, like, with you, like, yeah, he's, he's clearly the same thing, but he's playing the same character, so, like, I don't know if I can really fault him for that, because right. that was, you know, the design of, of the writers. You know, like let's bring let's let's have a spin-off movie, you know, let's be about this character because because he was so successful right. in in forgetting Sarah Marshall. But like, um, you know, I've seen him in a couple other uh a couple other films. I think he was in uh like Waiting 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he was also in um oh uh, it's gonna it's me, but he, he so he's played a couple other different random characters. Um, but to me, he's never never different. He's always the same person, you know, and. And him in real life because there's been a lot of overexposure of Russell Brand uh, as motorcycles <laughs> drive by. <laughs> um, because there's been a lot of uh, overexposure of Russell Brand. We've gotten so much of him in newspapers, on on the radio, on TV commercials. I mean, I've seen him everywhere at talk shows. So I, I've gotten to know him so well that when I see the previews from this movie, it's just like, oh, it's just Russell Brand being Russell Brand. And you mentioned comparing him to Will Ferrell earlier. And I think that, you know... While it's uh, a decent comparison, I think that Will Ferrell is is so much more versatile because he can play in these movies, and you get to believe that it's not Will Ferrell. You I, you know he I can actually buy he can play a character really well. Like think of Ron Burgundy, mm-hmm. that's a character. You know what I mean? You, we think of him in in, uh, in Talladega Nights, and he's that he's that race car driver. Yeah, it's Will Ferrell. Those are Will Ferrell movies, but he can actually take on a character really well, which is why he became right. famous in the first place. I mean, in defense of Russell Brand,
0: he's only been in two famous movies so far, so and, you know, three movies, but two characters so far, so <laughs> let's give him a little break, you know, <laughs> he'll have his time to maybe th- maybe he'll have a haircut, so we won't think it's him next time, and uh, <laughs> okay. then, yeah, he'll be able to diversify his character. Do you think
1: he can really do that, though? His voice is so... so his voice is... I don't know. I don't identifiable. Know. I want to like, say
0: there's there's a lot of talent in there that he's just yeah, goofing really- off having fun right now type of thing. Okay. But maybe if he really does take this serious, I think he has what it takes to, you know, break free from his, you know, character that he's been doing all all this time. But for now there's no showing for it so yeah Russell Brand is Russell Brand in every Russell Brand movie so far. I
2: think he is and that's his life too wasn't he a junkie in real life Yeah. think he is now getting his act together mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of doing different biopics <laughs>
0: <laughs> alright well those were our movie reviews so we're going to take a short break play some music and we'll be back with our main topic which is a big big analysis in depth conversation about 2001 A Space Odyssey we'll be right back Okay, and we're back. Uh, We're going to discuss our main topic... Of the afternoon for this episode, which is 2001: A Space Odyssey, a classic film, uh, 1968, I believe, by Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. So, if, for those who haven't seen it, I'm going to recommend you skipping this segment <laughs> because we're going to talk about it in depth. We're going to spoil the whole movie, so I'm not sure this is a movie you can really spoil. Okay. <laughs> <to say that. laughs> it's a movie you kind of have to experience, and so you know, listen up. So here we go. Uh, Chris and Sheehan have been talking about this movie, and as you know, if you've been listening to the other episodes, whenever we have a flick chart battle, I haven't seen 2001, and I said, all right, it's about time I see this movie. So I watched it this week, and you know what? It was. It, it's it's a good movie. It it, it it sticks out of my mind. It's one of those movies you can't forget. It's it's so different, and it just it blows your mind that it was made in 1968. That too was something phenomenal about it. But just a brief. Brief summary of it because <laughs> I could talk about I could talk about this for hours. Yeah, just, you really just could. Not really go anywhere. It, 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 yeah, there's there's four parts. the, the first part, it, apes, and it's kind of like the beginning of mankind. And you know, there's two tribes of apes. There's a there's a weird uh, black monolith that the one one tribe of apes, and then for some reason that gives them the idea or to you know use bones as a weapon and to Basically, uh, shoo away the other apes that were crowding their water hole. They they commit murder. They kill animals. So that's like the first segment. The second segment, you know, whatever. Four million late, four million years later, the mankind and we're we're in space. We're traveling to the moon. There's 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 just like something's going on. There's something that they just discovered on the moon. It's the monolith again, surprise. So they're going there to try to figure out everything. It's pretty cool. I, I liked it how they were skyping back then. You know, that yeah. was pretty cool. I like that. And so they finally see this this monolith, and then some kind of crazy radio signal just deafens them. Something happens there. And then next segment, you know, they're they're kind of deeper into time. They're going to Jupiter, I think, right? Yeah. And there's there's HAL, this this computer that can think mm-hmm. like humans and pretty much might have feelings that's the whole kind of like you know what is this thing basically think of WALL-E uh, the, the computer the, the mastermind behind this and it, you just ask this computer to do e- everything it does it for you and even responds to you and understands you so and then there's that big this, this is pretty much the main part the the big meat of the movie <laughs> that it's the, the humans against this machine and this machine all its objective is is to get this mission complete uh, no matter what even if it you know, even if all the humans die, this machine is going to complete this mission. So they have uh, a joust there. And then the fourth segment is the the weird, trippy, I don't even know what's going on segment, and then it ends. It's kind of like you have the main character, I think they're on Jupiter now, and you kind of see him within minutes flashing throughout his entire life. He uh, Again, the monolith is there at, 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 the, at his uh, deathbed scene, and he and the main character grows really old, and then all of a sudden, you're in space again, and you see this star child that's basically an embryo. He opens his eyes. He's looking at Earth. The end. So what do we have to say about this movie? It's, uh, it's a very interesting movie. Sure, it's, it's out there. It's, it's, it's obviously open to interpretation, and I think that was the main point about Stanley Kubrick doing this. Uh, it's, it's kind of based on uh, the Clark novel, but it's weird because that, that, that novel was being written the same time the movie was being shot. So there's different interpretations between the director and the novelist, Uh, but for the most part I enjoyed it because it was just such an experience and I wish I saw this in the movies in 1968 when it was released. Seeing it on my little TV in my bedroom was, can't even compare it to what it was like to seeing it in the theater. It's uh, the best way I could, I mean, there's going to be people that hate this movie, there's going to be people that love this movie for the wrong reason, and there's going to be critics that could talk to you about this movie for weeks. But for me, I just thought it was the experience of it. There were lots of slow parts, sure. I did fast forward one small part, I have to admit that. Which part? Um, I think it was between the third and fourth segments. You know, to be honest, it was 3am so I was tired, but (laughs) it it was kind of like, okay, here's a landscape scene, here's another landscape scene. For 15 minutes, and I'm like, okay, I like classical music, but I'm just going to fast-forward this part cause I'm getting really tired. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get to the ending. I saw it. Th- I'm like, all right, 10 minutes up. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, it, it, it's just, it's very visually stunning, and it, it did win a lot of Oscars that year for its uh, special effects, and it, it was very groundbreaking. And it's kind of a movie that, you know, you see now, and you just think back, wow, I can't believe they made that movie so long ago, All right, I'm going to let Sheehan talk about this movie
1: now. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, just to just to kind of, like, build off of what you were saying, you know, w- when I saw this movie, I just, uh, it was this movie that stuck with me for, like, weeks. I just, like, couldn't get it out of my head, you know, thinking about the different aspects, thinking about the different parts. Like you said, you know, you can take away your, your own stuff and, and, and talk about this with other people and argue different things, and... What did you get out of it? You know, what was the point of this? And it's just one of those movies which, to me, are very rare that you can you can have intellectual conversation about after the film. To me, I love films like that. You know, maybe maybe I am a little bit biased about films that are like that, but but I I, I just think it's fascinating that you can talk about you know in, in the meat of the movie when they're you know they're on the ship and and this machine you know Hal is. It's kind of, like, controlling them and, and being affected by what they say, and it, like, listens in on them and spies on them. You know, you get this thing, and it's like, oh, well, you know, like, what if technology has feelings, you know? Like, am I... Are the things I'm doing to it, like, affecting it? You know, you don't think about that. And uh, this was the, the first, you know, perhaps the biggest movie to really draw that question out into the opening, you know, and uh, lead to movies kind of like Terminator and stuff like that, you know, down the line, so... That's why I think it's so fascinating, and and for the multiple reasons. And you know, um, just to you know, like you're saying, with some of the special effects, you know, there's this one scene I remember specifically, and it's probably the most talked about scene in, in, as far as technically. Um, one of the actors is walking in a in a 360 degree circle, and he's just uh, walking all the way until he's upside down, and and then he goes into another door, and it, it's just great, cool watching it. Cause you're like, man. You know, like, how do they even do that today? Like, now, like, how how do they do yeah, that? I even? said that, too. I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> did this just happen? <laughs> like, how did they just do that? Yeah, you know, some of that stuff is, is really, really cool and really groundbreaking, you know? It, I mean, the movie is groundbreaking in so many ways. The special effects, the storyline, you know, the fact that it's so different to a lot of the movies that had come out, you know?
2: Uh, so that, that's why, to me, it's such a classic. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Um, I do, I do agree with what you guys are saying. I mean, obviously, it's a classic. It comes, and you know, looking back, thinking, "Wow, they did this in the '60s or whatever it was." Like, whew that's that's quite a feat. I must, compared to what they must have been seeing in the theaters those days, and then you sit down and watch this thing, and like, oh, you know, it's it's, it's got to be blowing you away. And it obviously, it's a little different for us to look back now the advancements of Avatar and all those kind of movies back then. It's like, okay, it's a little little cheesy, but that happens. You know, same with Jaws, the shark comes out, oh, that's the shark people were afraid of. But <laughs> anyway, um I you know, it, it is definitely a thought provoking movie, but I think what what I feel it falls off is it almost goes too far with that thought provoking kind of thing. Where you're you're left so far on a ledge to come up with your own thing that you could pretty much say whatever you want about it, and that could be your thing, and that's it. I can't argue that. Yeah, I could say whatever. I could say that whole last scene is somebody taking a dump, and that's what's coming out. And you could be like, yeah, it might be. You know what? That's, who knows? Maybe we're super zoomed in on a turd or something. Like, it's, it's so, but a lot of people enjoy that. A lot of people do like those kind of discussions. When I go to see a movie, and I, I kind of wanted to bring this back around from when you guys discussed Against the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight, for, to me, was that perfect balance of entertainment and thought-provoking conflict. That's what I like. And uh, honestly, now to bring it back to, to, to do the 2001 Space Odyssey, that whole Hal scene, I think, could have been the movie itself. That was a great, just a mind-melter. You're you're sitting there, oh my God, this machine knows what they're doing. And wh- what would I do if I was the machine? What would I do if I were the people? How would I be able to now outsmart this genius beyond... Thing you know, and like that it gets me like amped up at the movies. And I think you know, like The Dark Knight is that whole battle between good and evil, and it's almost like real good and real evil. Like it, they, they took it to another level, and that's you know, and it, you needed those inner battles. If I was on the ship with the prisoners, if I was on the ship with the civilians, if I was Batman hanging in the, or if I was Joker hanging from the the rope. Batman about to kill me, would I still go through with everything? If I was Batman, would I let him do this? Would I just kill it? Like this? That movie, every scene, I was like, what would I do if I was this character? What would I do if I was that character? And, you know, 2001 Space Odyssey, I feel like is a whole different kind of conflict-solving thing on your own, and it's it's not the one I enjoy when I go to see a movie. Um, And again, like you were saying, you fast-forwarded through things, I... I could not stand that space landing we watched a ship move like I don't know 10 inches on the screen and it took like 20 minutes to do it and I was just like come on already and just the same with you with the landscapes like these landscapes are nice but come on already you know and like you know, but it was, it was enjoyable it was interesting the whole monkey scene in the beginning that was crazy but again it was like okay this is evolution this is the idea this is our fast forward idea of evolution a thing lands and now they know what to do and and you do think back like how did that really happen? How did that come about? When did they think this will work? You know when you know when is, I'm thinking when's my dog gonna learn to go put his own food in his bowl kind of thing? You know, and it, it definitely is. It was way ahead of its time.
0: Yeah, no, I agree because you know, all right, I I, I enjoy it like she and those type of movies that are just entirely open to interpretation. Like Chris was saying, you know, it's true. We can all say something about this film and what we thought it was really about and you know you, you can everyone can pretty much you know if you put enough enough thought into it you can make your opinion right there is no wrong answer and I kind of really really enjoy that. Um, a, a movie that just popped into my head while talking about this film and after watching it was you know David Lynch's Mohan Drive type of thing it's a it's a mind twisting movie you kind of go through it, and then after it's done, you're like, okay, so, so what just happened type of thing? Yeah. And, you, and just like a Space Odyssey, I'm going to watch this movie numerous times again, and I might get a different interpretation every single time, and that's cool. I like that. Yeah. Same thing with Mulholland Drive. I've watched that movie maybe ten times, and I'm just, like, picking up on something here and there. It's really cool. These mind-twist movies are awesome. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of lengthy. Uh, I do like those... Okay, I I don't want to say I hated the landscape movie uh, <laughs> scenes because I enjoyed them in the beginning. I was just getting really tired at the end. But just it, I feel like I feel like what he did with those those landscape scenes and shots, uh, and, and the the length the lengthiness of it was you know he was playing classical music while those scenes were going on. And with music, it's kind of like what you feel while you're listening to this music. It was kind of just like heightening that experience with with landscape shots or mm-hmm. with with pictures. While listening to these, these like Strauss, I think was the main, uh, the main classical song throughout the entire movie. So I like that. It was kind of just like a, more than, more, more like a feeling than worrying about what's the plot right now, what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I could see how some people are like, all right, this is a movie. Let's get on. Let's see some characters. I, you know, that's like, there's no dialogue in the first like you know 40 minutes or yeah. so. So I mean, it's, that's okay, but. Uh,
2: what were you that, say? well I mean the no dialogue in the beginning you kind of expect cuz it's just monkeys and they're not going to be talking to each other. Um but that whole I get what you're saying too with that's with the spaceship scene I was referring to when it first comes on the screen and it's kind of like that uh noise you're like, "Whoa, all right, where are we? What, you yeah. know?" But then it goes beyond it and <clears> and you're still worrying and you're still uh, you're still you're like I I peaked and I was ready to get into it and now it's like, "Okay, now I got to wait." And wait and wait, and I hope it kind of like hurt it until you got into the scene, that was cool right it was going. it's kind of like like Kubrick like challenging you yeah.
0: like, let's like let's see how long you can watch <laughs> this
2: like like just you, know, you have to be patient with it, and
1: then you know something can happen at any time you just have to watch it, it you know and I found that interesting and, and the thing about this I feel like this movie in itself reinvents pacing, yeah, you know it it, it just set it, it just everything is a setup. Kind of, and so when you get to the, you know, you get to the meat of this movie, and you have this this Hal character doing these interesting things, you're just on. I was at least on the edge of my seat, like what the hell is going yeah. to happen? And you don't mind waiting for it because you've been waiting so long in the beginning, you know, for everything else to just happen. You know, it's just like a giant like pacing thing. Now, there's there's one my biggest gripe with this film, or really my only gripe, is there's like a 15 minute space like color <laughs> scene that happens where it's just That's like before the last segment. Yeah. Okay. Is it yeah? It, it's just and you just I think it's I don't think it's classical music that plays at that point. I think it's like just I don't even know. I, don't I think it's know. like rock music or something like that. I don't remember because I haven't seen the movie in a long time. But it goes on forever and you just see these colors flying by you and like. I, I don't that's the only thing I didn't get. I mean there's a lot of stuff that I didn't get, but like I could like make guesses at or try and interpret, but that segment I just didn't understand I was like what which is
0: I think is is correct because I think that's what Cooper was trying to, trying to do because that's the main segue into that ending that you just like, okay, what <laughs> is going on? He's in this room he's watching himself, he's in the bed he's he's ninety years old, there's a monarch in front of him. Boom, star baby yeah. <laughs> it's like, Okay, So what happened from this part making sense To this crazy part And I think it's cool because that's, that's the whole movie idea with the evolution It's like, okay, this is the past This is the kind of present, this is the future This is so far into the future We can't even understand that part yet yeah. Because we're not even close to Knowing what can happen What the
1: possibilities are down the line One, one of the, the main interpretations for it Is that the monolith is God that, that's, like, a, a very common thing. Let's get religious here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm not going to go too deep into this because we could be sitting here talking about this for hours. But it's just that, like, you know, God comes down and, and tells the monkeys what to do. <laughs> then, you know, God comes down and, and, and affects technology and, and advances things again. And then in the end, it's like it's like heaven and hell, kind of this, you know, this, until he decides to, like... Recreate life in the in the baby. That 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 generally speaking, you know, not going into too much detail, is a very common belief. I don't know who came up with that theory, but it's one that's kind of like accepted generally speaking amongst a lot of people now. Obviously, there's a million different ways you can go with that. But I always thought that was a really interesting one to think about the monolith as God and and him kind of you know just just messing with life over and over and over again and and how that would affect things and. And so you get to see, you know, uh, the creation, you know, life, then death, essentially, and then re-life, you know, in, like, one big circle. I always thought that was really interesting to think about it like that. So I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, well. no.
0: I, and I was just thinking about something. I kind of like how... Okay, right, this, is, this is one of those interpretations that's out there. <laughs> know, it's not even an interpretation. It's just a whole overview, overview about the movie in general. The movie was made in 1968, but, you know, it's 2001, A Space Odyssey. And there's a lot of... Um, things a lot of aspects characteristics that you can throw back to homer's the odyssey and you know it's kind of like a, a whole adventure of of you know home uh, what's odysseus i think his character's name right so so to so, so picture that this movie was kind of you know based on the odyssey that was written a long time ago yeah. but now like because this movie is so inventive and groundbreaking, it's affecting things that are coming out today. Like I said in the uh, the, the brief summary, Wally, come on, like how is yeah. Wally's you know right, the right. eye? And you know you had uh, the Odyssey with the Cyclops and that one eye that he had to defeat. You know it's kind of like this movie is just a, a stepping stone. It's kind of like the Odyssey was the past. This movie was the you know the, the mankind in, 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 on, on the moon, and then like the future. Who knows what's gonna happen? Who knows the you know, the boss is going to keep on rolling, and we're going to get more and more movies that are referencing this and more and more ideas that are just coming back to this. So I like it as that, like, whole. You, you have no idea what the future is going to bring, but it's going to kind of, like, take take back from
1: the, just the classic story of the Odyssey to yeah, begin with. Agreed, yeah. All right, so so we'll, we'll bring this back to the reason why we, we decided we were going to talk about this, because, you know, our flip chart battle in deciding whether or not, you know... Uh, the Dark Knight or 2001 in Space Odyssey was a better movie, so we'll just go around. Cr- Chris, what do you think?
2: I still have to go Dark Knight. I, that that was one of the best movies, and I mean, it it almost I don't want to sound like Oscar-y, but like that the fact that it is a comic book story does a little I guess hurts it a little bit to say that kind of thing. But just the you take all of that out of it, I think you could have had a great movie if you brought it down to regular people and some. Hyperloop storyline, or something like that. Just the 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 moral dilemmas, the the thought-provoking. Uh, I can't the conflicts. Just the conflicts. Every scene was a conflict, and uh, I think also. I mean, I, I never got pulled into a character like he Ledger did with the Joker. That that every scene he was in, I, that brought me to the edge of my seat. Just what's he going to say next? How's he going to say it? Who's he going to say it to? Which you know, where's he going to go with what he said? Like it just that made it, it just heightened it for me. But that whole good versus evil and the way instead of just blah good versus blah evil they spiced it up and added so many layers to it that it just made me think and, and oh my god what's this person thinking what are they going to do who's going to do this what would I do and I just like that that's how I want to be challenged in a movie theater when I go to see a movie
1: okay um, you know I mean I said this in, in the other episode but I, I would go with the 2001 Space Odyssey um, and just for a lot of the reasons we mentioned earlier uh, just the fact that it's so epic it has led to so many uh, different movies now, like we just talked about, how it challenges you know you to think and etc. 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 So, Rob, what do you think? Now that you've seen them both, <laughs> <laughs> am I the tiebreaker? You know, the culmination all the way back it's to me. Well, I,
0: uh, it is very close, but um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm not picking which one's better because that's not really what I do in flick right? I kind of pick which which one I like better. Uh, I feel like Stanley Kubrick is an acquired taste. He makes very <laughs> challenging movies, yeah. movies that are out there, movies that has this, he has this fan base, you know, whatever he touches you're going to like, even if it's crap, even if it's good. He's, it's, it's, you kind of have to like his movies to like all of his movies. I feel The Dark Knight is a lot more mainstream, but Chris Nolan does a thing where it's, he, he appeals to such a larger audience and does <clears throat> his thing at the same time, which is also groundbreaking right now that's happening so which one do I like better I'm probably going to pick The Dark Knight I do love 2001 I've only watched it once so yeah. maybe that is you know weighing on my mind a little bit but for now Dark Knight would be my pick if I saw that Flick chart match up again interesting <laughs> okay so that was our main topic where we have one more thing to discuss before we play some movie games and Chris was listening to our podcast, he's probably one of the four people listening. So thank you, Chris, for <laughs> listening to that. No problem. And he You're wants you get up. <laughs> <laughs> we have, uh, we, we had a segment in the past couple of weeks. We talk about uh, the dumb movie of the week, and me and Mike, we just like to rip apart movies that we hated. So the first one was Napoleon Dynamite, and Chris not necessarily loves the movie, but he kind of wants to give his defense. You know, we're gonna. We're gonna lawyer it up here and see uh, <laughs> see what he has <laughs> to say about it. So go ahead, Chris. Yeah,
2: um, I just wanted to, I felt the movie. no by no means do I think it's a good movie. Do I think you know I'm not gonna run home and pop it in my DVD player for a good laugh kind of thing. But it was funny that like a week or two before you guys or before I listened to the podcast that so you guys discussed the movie, I actually caught it on TV and I watched it it was from like the middle of it but I actually kept it on and I was sitting there and chuckling here and there and I just felt like the movie needs to be defended because you guys just piled on it (laughs) relentlessly and albeit deserved your guys points you can't argue the (laughs) points but I think it needs you. Just you guys needed to see why people like it and why people can get enjoyment out of it. And I think back to our our one buddy Gazi. He's the one that introduced me to it, and we laughed a lot to it. But I think the key for me was because he was laughing there with me when I saw it, and he found it so funny that I found it funny that he found it funny, and it just took off from there. But I think a big thing with this movie is the not so much the rewatchability, but the ability to go back to it. Not so much in conversation, but you can refer to it. When people know what you're talking about. A lot of people saw this movie. A lot of people know references from it. A lot of people know Tina, come get your ham. As dumb as that is, people know it, and you say it. And you're most. You're, I think when someone says something like that, you laugh more than they're saying that, more so than what they're referencing. <clears throat> and I think that's a big, a big draw to this movie is that you can do those kinds of things, and it, and it keeps it going. When I first saw Anchorman, I thought I didn't think it was that good. But you saw it again. You saw it again. You saw more people that saw it again. Now you're making references and quotes, and you find a quote you didn't find that funny at first. Now you find it funny, you know. And, and I think that that's the kind of movie you're dealing with. And it's funny that we kind of back this up over 2001: Space Odyssey, because I think this is another one of those movies where you're sitting there watching and you're thinking, what the hell is going on? I sat there. I said I was watching it with my girlfriend. They went to the one scene where they're like in the chicken coops or whatever, and they work in. And I said, I go, why did they have that in the movie? Why was it even there? I, I don't even they didn't advance the storyline. They did not that there was much of a storyline to begin with, but it and it and then it just moved on. But then you look back, you watch it the third, fourth time, and you're like, wow, they're eating raw eggs and like wow that you know, and you're almost just like, huh, okay, moving on. And I and it's just that kind of goofy what's what stupid thing is this person gonna do next? And I, I'm gonna be the last person to tell you that everyone would find that funny not, you know, you could go to the movie and just be like, okay, that is stupid, and not find it funny. There was not much thought to the movie. You know, they had the little outside-side characters that are supposed to kind of give you cheap laughs, and I guess here and there they did. But, you know, it was just, it's just one of those so ridiculous, almost ahead of its time, I guess you kind of say, things, that I, that's why I think a lot of people did catch on to it. I also think a lot of it was younger audience. We We almost missed the boat on this one. I think it's more that younger well how old when well, I was in college, we were in college. I think it was more young teen, you know, that's really stupid. I'm gonna put that quote on my book bag as a sticker kind of kind of thing. That's where those vote for Pedro shirts blew up. Did you ever I never saw anyone wear that. Nobody my age ever wore that, but I'm sure those were in high schools across the world, you know, that that had that. And I think it was like it was almost like a marketing like a genius marketing movie. <clears throat> Maybe by accident. <laughs> Wait.
0: You didn't like Anchorman the first time you saw it? No, I didn't. <laughs> that is crazy. I didn't. I, I, I liked it the first time. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't get,
2: I didn't get the humor out of it. I thought it was like, okay, it's a story. I, I think I missed a lot of it, and you needed those second and third watches to pick up on the funny lines. I, it took me, like, like the fourth or fifth watch, he made the, like, the last time I checked the dictionary, my name was Robert. i never even caught that as a yeah, joke. I and mean, I was like, <laughs> oh my god, that's an amazing line that <laughs> he checked the dictionary for his name. Like, you know, those little, like, ridiculous lines, and you kind of learn to grow with the characters, and, like, that, that you know, I, I'm not saying that Anchorman is anywhere on the level with uh, Napoleon Dynamite, but it's, I can see people going back to that movie for the same aspect, the same, you know... She makes him stand with his fist in a certain way. first time watching that, you think it 's dumb. Second time, you are like, "Why is she making him do that?" you know third time, why is he doing that? you know like and I can see people doing that, and it, you know it plays a lot of comedy central it's, people must be watching it because they, they wouldn't be having it on the air yeah. and, and it's it's almost like a cult phenomenon it It picked up some kind of backing i
1: i'd gotta yell at you for one thing <laughs> you you just compared. Napoleon Dynamite to 2001 a Space Odyssey <laughs> not,
2: not in a thought provoking kind of way that you would discuss God and morals and everything but it's that kind of movie where you sit there and you do say what the hell is going on and you definitely did that during 2001 Space Odyssey yes but, but I,
1: I feel like the huge difference is you have a director who purposely does it for a reason Whereas there's a director... You don't, I don't, you don't,
2: you don't definitely know why they put that scene in there. Or what No, they were doing no, I that. mean, you know, and that's, I, agree, I think, a part of it. Yeah. I, obviously, it's not the same <laughs> thought-provoking idea, but it's, it's that same attitude going into it, where you see a movie and then you're wondering, well, he couldn't have just done that for absolutely no reason. There had to be something behind that. He couldn't have just walked in and said, I have this ten minutes of footage, what am I going to do with it? Throw it out. No, we're putting it in. It, you know, yeah. there was something there. I'd love, I'd love to sit down with the director and ha- or maybe there's well, a comedy, a commentary. There's some, there's some things that is. I do
1: know the director said, like that he was purposely trying to make an anti-formulaic comedy. Mm. You know how like a lot of the comedies are like, oh, you know, this person meets this person falls right. ala- or you know, it's like they're thrust into this hilarious uh, situation and it's like, oh my god, well hilarity ensues. You know, it's just it's very formulaic so he was trying to make this you know, more more storyline based but, but still make it funny uh, so that was like his goal in, in creating the film and I think you know if you look at part of the storyline you know I guess you could see that you know like he's there's actual like plot events that happen uh, but I feel like they're so minuscule in, oh in yeah the skull. plot is
2: very thin it's just the kid wants to run for president he yeah. helps him there's a yeah. the little side plot with the uncle selling things, and the brother with his dating, and they're, I guess they're for comedic effect, but, you know, it's, it's, there's very, it's like this
1: movie could have been, like, could have been almost, uh, Little Miss Sunshine, you know, like, like, in the fact that, like, there, there's not really too much that happens in that film, per se, it's just about this girl going for a passion, It's funny that you
2: said that, but that has that road trip aspect to it, even with Going Back to Paul, it's really just... They find an alien who needs to find a ship and right. it's the whole thing to get there. Right. Napoleon Dynamite is almost like the road trip without the trip. Right. Your, are their life is the trip, right. you know, so to speak. And it's just the random little things, you know, what's grandma doing on the dunes? I almost feel like that, that was there just for that line. Just mm-hmm. so this guy could have that line go out into mainstream and be picked up. Otherwise, who cares what the grandma does? Nothing for the story. The grandmother disappears after the first scene. They never go back to her except yeah. for that part. You know, and it's just like that, and it, that I'm glad you said that, that anti formulaic comedy that definitely swung and missed with a lot of people, but it, I think it hit a home run with a lot of people as well. I'm a little bit in between, maybe I hit a double. <laughs> you know, I think that's my oh, no. main problem with the movie. The people who actually like this movie,
0: I can't see why they would like it, and they, I think they're liking it for the wrong reasons. Maybe they're liking it because, you know, a lot of kids, it is a cult, you know, yeah, they just happen to have this cult following like oh yeah I like this movie you know I'm just like well, why do you like this movie the movie isn't even good and then yeah there's there's no reason in my opinion still, to not. there's no reason to like this movie <laughs> there's nothing likeable about it whatsoever um, maybe like you said maybe it's just a great marketing scheme or something but you know just the fact that so many people do like it makes me just hate it even more because alright everyone could get everyone could jump on board and say the happening was stupid and that's why we did not like it we talked about it last week yeah but just the fact that so many people love Napoleon Dynamite makes me <laughs> just hate it even more there's no reason to like that movie yeah agreed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. alright we're gonna take a break we're gonna come back and play some awesome movie games see you later
3: I was following me. 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 I.
0: Welcome oh, back, listeners. I'm glad you stuck around for this long. Unless you skipped one of our segments, then that's cool, too. We're about to bring to you a new movie game that Mike Sheehan thought of, and we kind of, you know, filtered it out to make it hopefully work. If it's a failure, we're never going to do this again, and we apologize, but hopefully it's going to work out really well. What we have is a dish, a <laughs> a dish of words. In- a dish I'm- of words? <laughs> that sounds awesome. I could-, I could go for a dish of words right now. Uh, we're going to we have written words on these pieces of papers and then we're going to read you the word that we just picked and then try to name every movie that comes to our minds with that word in it. So let's get started. I'm going to pick one of these papers. What do we got here? So the word that we're going to do is love. So we're going to have to try to think of every movie with the word love on it and I'm going to keep a tally to see how well we do. So, let's see. Let's go. Let, we'll just let, we'll just bang some out right here. All right. Love Actually. Love Actually. That was the one I had. Love and <laughs> Other Drugs. That was the other one I had. I love
2: you, Philip Morris. <laughs> I love you, man. This might be a little harder. It, it's it, not really in our wheelhouse of genre. <laughs> like yeah. love, love is a romantic, <laughs> and we are all guys
0: here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Love. Um, I want to say. I, um, I might be up <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this might be the worst <laughs> showing of the well, word we could, love. Well, we can try another word. Possible. Awesome. Well. Um, we can't think of another love movie. Love. Um, can I give one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, wait, 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 wait. wait. Are, are we giving up? Are you telling us some more movies?
3: Uh, I'm just giving hints. Okay. I'm just gonna give us hints. Oh, well, I like um, hints. Okay. Right, okay. I'll do it. A couple, um, a couple of hints. Recent movie with Julia Roberts. Oh, Eat Pray Love. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That was a good one. <laughs> I had
0: no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and I'm like Julia Roberts is in a movie. <laughs> she hasn't been in too many movies. That's a shame. She's coming out with a new one with Tom Hanks. For yeah. Love of the Game. Oh, oh no. For <laughs> love. love of the Game. Love. Did we do? We did Love Actually. That was the first one, right? <laughs> it happened so long ago, I forgot about it already. <laughs> Okay, I think we're I think we're stung with five.
3: I think we had okay. five there. That wasn't too bad. Alright, we'll try a different word, but I uh, name some other love movies, Phil. Um, I love you, Beth Cooper. <sighs> um does it have to be love or can it be like lovely bones, bones? <laughs> <laughs> I would have counted that if someone said yeah, that. Yeah, I would have counted Me that too. Sure. Anything else? Any other goodies um, that we missed? Not really. A lot of these I never really heard of too. Mm. Um just say love. I am love. Love Ranch, New York. I love you. Oh, that's a good Oh, I go away. Away. Well, P.S. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love you. Ah, I would put that down. <laughs> <a search. laughs>
2: the next one
0: <laughs> is woman or women.
1: <laughs> Pretty woman. <laughs> Little women.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that too. that a movie?
2: <laughs> yeah. Is that a book? <laughs> uh, it's definitely that's a, a book.
1: Definitely a <laughs> book. Definitely a, a book. <laughs> <laughs> definitely a movie um... are we stumped at
0: too? <laughs> <laughs> no. women, women, women what women want no, there, there you go <laughs> <laughs>
2: again we're in the hole we're looking the wrong floor <laughs>
0: uh... women, women
3: stupid women that should be a movie I'll wow this is a, this is a lot harder than i thought it would be Yeah, <clears throat> that's what she said <laughs> <laughs> Sure, any hints we got here for some Goldies that we're missing? Tyler Perry. Don't don't
0: throw that stuff. Don't throw, don't throw Tyler Perry at me. I've <laughs> I've never seen a Tyler Perry. Why before. did I get married to women? Is that, a, is that a movie? Diary of a Mad Black Woman. Uh, <laughs> I don't
2: know. Tyler Perry. We're gonna have to do a segment on Tyler Perry movie. He needs a he needs a talking to. We a special guest. For that
3: one. <laughs> No, there's really not that many uh, oh, known okay. movies
0: with women on it. Alright, okay. so we only have three there. Let's just keep on going. Women in Trouble. Boom. Oh, four. I'm <laughs> that. That's four. Yeah. So what's this one? What's this one? Good. Yes. The bad and the ugly. Okay, that's <laughs> good one, Oh, yeah. The, the good, good Shepherd. son? Yeah, I mean, good
2: Shepherd,
3: yeah.
1: Good Shepherd.
2: Uh-huh. The Good Son, that's
1: the one. Is that one? With Macaulay Culkin, right? I don't know. I'm just, I think it's a
0: movie, yeah. but I'm not positive. We're going to mark it down good for now. fellas. Oh, oh, man. We just tied our record at <laughs> five. Oh,
1: good. Let's see. Good. 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 Morning Vietnam. <laughs> oh!
0: Good, good night and good luck. Vietnam. Yeah. I <laughs> would oh, that that as two. Oh, man, we are rolling
2: with good right now. Good movies out there. So,
1: good. Good day no <laughs> alright that might good day
0: <laughs> um, the good oh wait we did shepherd I was just thinking of dogs for some reason <laughs> <laughs> well we got seven Phil, any ones were blatantly missing
3: that we um, should have known the CIA movie with uh, Matt Damon and uh, Angelina Jolie the good shepherd wasn't that good shepherd yeah, good shepherd. yeah. yeah we, we
0: got that, that, that one any other ones Um, not really we rocked good, didn't well, we? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> alright,
3: alright. <laughs> Let's do one more. Hey, we'll do one more. This out. is fun. The good it was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we get bad this time. <laughs> we might be, actually. Oh no, Red.
0: Uh, Thin red, red Line. What about just the movie Red? The movie Red. That was the last <laughs> uh, recent one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Hunt for Red October. Um, red. A Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> <saying that. laughs> I think they gotta make a movie out of that, no?
1: <laughs> is well, it? it? It's called Hoodwink, though. <laughs> no what's the more yeah. recent one that just came out oh yeah. that
0: is red one running. the horror one right red oh red. good call I forgot about that one red isn't there like a movie just with the, like like the colors like there's a red movie and a blue movie <laughs> <laughs> and a white movie <laughs> are you thinking of like Pokemon are <laughs> <thinking> of the <laughs> Weezer albums <laughs> all possible <laughs> all possible
2: red, red dawn did we say that no was that a movie, movie?
0: Sure. we got five we got Zinko I'm um, impressed by that many red movies. Red, I really thought
1: about. Red. <laughs> I want to say Red Rum, but <laughs> Red <not> Rum. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think we're good with red. Any, uh, no, we miss any? The color red, isn't that? No, no. the color
2: purple. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong movie. <laughs> 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 the color red. <laughs> I don't have. Oh, oh, okay. We didn't say that. Oh, all right, give that hint. Yeah. Um,
3: oh damn.
2: <laughs> Am I the only <laughs> I one missing <laughs> Bring it on.
3: So, give me a hint. Uh, Anthony Hopkins.
0: I don't know about it. second Norton? one in the trilogy? Oh, Red Dragon. Yeah. Damn. Okay, that could have been a good one to get. All right, so we and were the best with good. Any other reds? Uh, we were uh, okay with love and red, and women we just have no clue about. <laughs> Right. Understandably so. <laughs> exactly. So we're going to move on to play the movie review game. Now we have a whole bunch of contestants, so I'm going to try to just throw out the hardest ones and see <laughs> see what they can't get. But if you, don't, if you don't recall, this is a game where I'm going to read an excerpt of a movie review from a critic, and they're going to try to guess what movie it is based on the review. So let's get started.
1: Let's get it
0: on. I'm going to do a little shuffle-duffle here. Shuffle it and duffle it. Um, I'm going to read this and then hand this to you guys. Okay. Um, this movie was in 2008 by James Berardinelli of Real Views. He is in many ways a sad case, a man whose entire identity and self-worth are defined by the sport that he has ruined his health and cast him aside. He lives in a trailer park in northern New Jersey. The wrestler. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Boom! Oh wow. Okay,
0: we gotta have to get some tougher ones for these guys. Uh, I, if it wasn't for New Jersey, I don't I remember <laughs> that was in New Jersey. 2009 by Tasha Robinson, The AV Club. This story, drawn from Neil Gaiman's short novel of the same name, follows a snappish, snarky girl whose writer parents whisk her away to a countryside boarding house, then promp- promptly ignore her. While sulking her days away, she finds a passageway to an alternate world. Hands Oh yeah. Incorrect. In wow. which her oddball neighbors, distracted parents, and Coraline. Daughter- <laughs> there you go. Still got that. One. I gotta give him <laughs> <give them> credit. <laughs> Damn.
1: <laughs> Good job, Phil. It did sound awfully like hands. Yeah. Labyrinth. Labyrinth. <laughs> uh,
0: this movie, 2010. At its best, the film plays like an oddball synthesis of. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and Kill Bill. There's just so much other stuff. At one point, Scott enters his apartment. Oh, Scott mus- Pilgrim? Yeah. <laughs> Versus the world. How could they compare uh, those uh, two movies?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can talk to this filmic critic, Daniel Montgomery. <laughs> they're, they're rolling through these, so I'm just going to keep reading. Uh, 2009 movie. But working with his brother, Ivan, Sa- Sam Raimi, is laughing with us, and often louder than we are. Previously, the trouble with Raimi has sometimes been that you didn't trust him. Movies like Dark Man and his spaghetti O Western, The Quick and the Dead, were hard to take seriously. His laugh. Is this Drag Me to Hell? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to print these out at all. Maybe i have to get a little tougher on you guys. Scattered through. Oh, 2009 movie. Scattered throughout are plain talking close ups of folks being laid off. Up in the yeah. air? <laughs> <laughs> no, I read that. I'm like, oh, That was too easy. <laughs> we're we're going to finish all these. That was like, <laughs> sweet. 2009. A story about the unbreakable bonds between parents and children. A story about thwarted justice and monstrous revelations is diverted by Jackson in a story about CGI wow factor of his netherworld. Colors are drenched... Lovely bones? Yeah. <laughs> Ad- uh, 2009 movie. Adapted from an excellent 2006 novel... Hillcoat post apocalyptic drama in which a man and his young son who was born after the barely seen Oh the road? Yes. Yes. (laughs) I I was just like it's Cormac McCarthy. (laughs) Two thousand (laughs) and nine movie. This isn't your assembly line teen horror thriller. The portraits of the two teen leads are too I'm sorry, are a little too knowing. The dialogue is a little too off centered. The developments are a little too quirky. After you've seen enough teen thrillers, you begin to appreciate these distinctions. Let's put it this way: I'd rather see this movie again than Twilight. That's by
2: Roger Ebert, 2009 movie. 2009 teen thriller. I can't. I'm blanking on teen thrillers. And then you get you didn't get too much more out of the review than that. <laughs> I mean, it was a teen thriller. I doubt. I doubt. The only teen
1: thriller that I remember was the sorority or sorority girl. Yes, I do remember that. I feel like that <laughs> wouldn't be this this review because I feel like Roger Ebert would not want to see that movie again. <laughs> 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 um, oh man, what
2: were some other? Oh, maybe the um, the what do you call it? Paranormal Activity. Those but they're considered too Oh really uh, yeah. Well, it's it, yeah.
0: Oh boy, might have stumped them. <laughs> what do you say, team? Uh, Stump City,
1: two thousand and nine. Huh? Two thousand and nine. I, I can't. I don't know.
0: Thrillers. I don't know the that many teams. The main part about this, what he says, is the uh, the quirkiness of the dialogue and everything's just quirky. But it's, um, it's uh, a it's a Diablo Cody written film. Oh. Jennifer's Body.
3: Yeah. Last that one wasn't very good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, he's saying it's better than Twilight, <laughs> which isn't hard to <laughs> do. Last one, let's let's end it off with a high note. 2009 film. There were definitely la- la- laugh out loud moments. I won't deny that. For search as you might, there's not much more to this film than a better than average romantic comedy. And when I say better than average, I mean funnier. Because really, the movie is about shitty people doing shitty things to each other in sh- in shitty pe- in shitty places. And while Matola tries. To sum things up, at a very e- at the very end, by allowing the two leads to finally consummate their relationship, it's just not satisfying. What year is this? 2009. I don't want to read the last sentence because it might give it away. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to. It's <laughs> uh,
3: she, just not that. Chill-
2: oh, it could be one of those. Or oh, the other one, Valentine's Day or whatever. But the other like
1: it wasn't about shitty things happening. Yeah, that's no.
2: true. Should I read the last sentence?
0: Yeah. Oh, and believingly, Kristen Stewart could be an NYU student is a mighty big pill to swallow. In my mind, she'll still be offering herself to vampires at the prom. Kristen wow, what a knock <laughs> Kristen Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Stewart.
2: <laughs> I, I, I only know movies, the Twilight movies are the ones that she was in. Uh, this, this,
0: guy, this guy didn't really like this movie, but I mean, it's a movie that I enjoyed, so <laughs> I was surprised. To I don't this. remember
1: her being an
0: NYU student in anything. Eventually. Adventureland? Ding, ding, ding. Phil guesses Adventureland and guesses correctly. Congratulations, (laughs) Phil. So we are done with our movie review game. The guys kicked some major booty and... Got us at the end, (laughs) though. We're going to move on to our Flickchart battle.
1: Flickchart battle. So do some plugging. Okay, so if you haven't been listening to our podcast, Flickchart, which is www.flickchart.com, one word. Uh, Is an awesome website where uh, you compare movies side-by-side and decide which one is better Uh, It also keeps a ranking of the movies you you rate So you can kind of get an idea of what movies you really think are the best So, let's get started, right? Yes Alright, so the first matchup we have is Pirates of
0: the Caribbean at Worlds and against Watchmen so, I
1: mean, I, I would pick... At the World's End is the last... Is the third it's the one. third one. It's the third Pirates. I'm going to pick Watchmen,
0: because yeah. I, like, I enjoy that one. Agreed.
2: Yeah, I, I enjoyed Watchmen, too, and... I heard Pirates is a little out there. <laughs> out like there. scenes, and you're just like... It's it better than the second one, though.
0: Mm. Uh, look at this. A Space Odyssey <laughs> against Hook. <laughs> I would pick a Space Odyssey. I'm going to pick a Space <laughs> Odyssey yeah. as well.
1: Though Hook is awesome. The hook is awesome. <laughs> the Life of Brian versus Signs. Ooh, this is an interesting matchup. I like this one. Um, you know, I think I think I like Signs a little bit better. Yes, uh, so I'm going to as well go with Signs. Gentlemen? No, disagreement? Good. Yep.
0: Good. <laughs> Next we have Van Helsing versus Clerks. Clerks. Okay. Oh, know, um, yeah, Clerks.
1: <laughs> Home Alone wow. against Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Uh, while I love Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, Home Alone is... Is like I've said many times,
2: <laughs> a classic. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park versus. Stop there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know Sheen loves Jurassic Park, <laughs> but it's Jurassic Park
0: versus Stand by Me, and I'm gonna go with Stand by Me. Which what is Stand by Me about? That the kids, it's like the, the coming of age story with the kids. They find the the body, and then they jump off the, uh, when the train's coming. It's, it's, I don't think I've out? seen it.
3: You never seen it? No, I never saw yeah, it. Yeah, I
0: never saw it either. But so have you seen Stand by Me? No. Oh man, I don't know what to do in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about you guys watch it eventually, and we'll talk about it one day, okay? Okay. All right. So, Um, what would you go with? I'm going to pick with Stanley. Over Jurassic Park.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You two on that one, and we'll (laughs) come back to it. (laughs) Stephen King,
0: short story, good stuff. Crafting Tiger, Hidden Dragon versus Gangs of New York. That's a that's an interesting (laughs) matchup. I mean, I'm gonna pick Crash
1: and Tiger, but uh, I mean, Gangs in New York is pretty good. You know, I was a little underwhelmed by Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon. While I thought it was a great storyline, I just hated the special effects that the fact that they're flying around on these strings. Like, it just bothered the crap out of me. <laughs> it's so fake, like, I don't know. I just couldn't appreciate it, you So, know? are you picking Gangs in New York? Yes. Alright, so we need some tie
0: breaking here.
2: I didn't see either of these movies (laughs) but if I were to pick one I'd be more (laughs) interested in seeing Games of New York than Crouching (laughs) Tiger if that (laughs) matters at all (laughs) Phil?
3: I mean the the thing is that um, I, I, I always enjoyed films like Crouching Tiger and Hidden Dragon but also at the same time Games of New York is based on history based on facts so because of that I have to go with Games of New York ooh Gangs of New York, it is. Next match. Yeah. i right? office, office Space versus Constantine.
0: We're going to pick Office Space. <laughs> um, I like In- Constantine. Mission Impossible <laughs> versus Knocked Up. Two completely different genres here, so I'm going to say which one I like better, but just Knocked Up. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, me too. So. The Terminal versus oh, The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, <laughs>
1: This
3: is, uh... Man,
1: this is... Two awesome (laughs) films right here. Although, (laughs) certain people in the room might not think that (laughs) Pearl Tettabon's is... Well, the
0: a lot. is a lot heavier than the Terminal. Terminal, I think, is a lot more enjoyable. But I don't know. The Roadtown is really good. The Cats is awesome, too. Ah! What would you pick? I'm going to let you
1: pick first, now. I have to go back to which of these two movies would I rather, like, watch on TV. And, honestly, I couldn't decide. (laughs) I was like, and... (laughs) Uh, I think I think I'd go with the Royal Tenenbaums on this one. Okay. I, I just I like the substance a little bit more than uh, than the well, lack of uh, enjoyment of the. Terminal. Based
0: on your reasoning, I've seen the Terminal a lot more than the Royal Tenenbaums, so I'm going to pick
1: the Terminal. But that's also on TV a lot more than the Royal Tenenbaums, for a good reason.
2: Because <laughs> it's newer, <laughs> more people will watch it. <laughs> Type breaks? Huh? I've never seen Royal Tenenbaums. Neither have I. I can't imagine it'd be better than Terminal
3: what's Heads. Uh, heads is the terminal.
1: Tails.
0: Yes. <laughs> we're the royal cannonballs. Yes. We'll do a few bombs.
3: more. Uh, Hannibal. Hannibal. <laughs> Hannibal.
0: Hannibal. Hannibal Versus Lord of the Rings. The two. does uh, yeah. <laughs> Rings. That, that was silly. Come on, computer. Braveheart versus Van Helsing. Braveheart. <laughs> All right, let's do two more. Two more. The Departed versus Silence Ooh, of the Lambs. that's a good wow. matchup. Wow. That's a good matchup. Two
1: best picture winners. Man, I don't know how you could pick The Departed over Silence of the Lambs, though. I mean, it's I, possible. That's
2: the first initial thinking, but The Departed was very enjoyable to watch. It was. It's like, what do you go based on? Like, It is mind-blowing performances and story and just difference, or... The good, you know, for overall reason, or, or the movie departed. <laughs> 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 Well, it doesn't go, it doesn't have that depth that the sounds the the some, some reason, with the, the departed, I, I'm
0: always thinking about you know, like I like the movie, it's really good, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, you know, it's not that good. But then whenever I watch it again, I'm just like, holy crap, yeah. this movie is insane! It's so really good. good. Yeah. I'm gonna pick Silence and Lambs, though. I yeah, think that's I I'm I'm gonna think, pick yeah. that. it, It's tough for the departed to go down and our last lap. one of the day Chronicles of Narnia versus iRobot
2: <laughs> well I know if someone
0: was here <laughs> what movie
2: they would pick my <laughs> good <I> buddy Dan <laughs> yeah no we're we <laughs> here I'm gonna pick iRobot <laughs> as Me well too. I didn't, yeah. didn't really enjoy Chronicles of yeah.
0: Narnia alright so that wraps up Flick Truck Adam. that's it it's over that would've been a good match that would be <laughs> and you'll never know what it, it was, was. up <laughs> no, <no, no>, no. <laughs> So in conclusion, this was our longest podcast episode ever. So congratulations for getting through it. <laughs> Unless you skip some segments, then
3: Boo. screw you.
0: <laughs> um, I just have to say to visit our blog, which is otmf-podcast.blogspot.com. Do follow. <laughs> congratulations for making it through. Congratulations. <laughs> and also, if you have any questions or feedback, you can email us on themoviefront at hotmail.com. So. Do that. You guys no have ones. any have uh, any departing words? No. We'll come
2: back <laughs> next week. <laughs> Thank you. See you. We love you. Bye. Adios. <laughs>